Hello, welcome to Locked On Suns, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Today, as always, I'm your host, Evan Sider, and with my co-host, Brendan Clean. You can follow me on Twitter at Sider. You can follow Brendan on Twitter at BrendanClean14. Also, make sure to follow Locked On Suns Twitter page if you aren't already at Locked On PHX Suns. Your support is very much appreciated, as always. So, Brendan, we're joining you a little bit after the final buzzer of tonight's game for the Phoenix Suns. It's a Tuesday. They played at, at Indiana to start their four-game road trip. Devin Booker's told you guys yesterday was back from his lower back spasms, but we'll get into him later. He had a really rough outing tonight as the Suns lost 131 to 97, arguably one of their worst losses of the season, to be honest, because it was really from the get-go, Brendan. They outscored the Suns in the first quarter 38 to 19. And really in the first five minutes of the game, you knew this was pretty much over. Yeah, another strong second quarter from the Suns tonight and made you kind of feel like maybe it would be uh, another battle. I mean, this team, like, I completely agree. Like, it's it's pretty obvious. I, I would be interested to even see, like, if this is their actual worst margin of loss the entire season. It wouldn't surprise me if it was. But the one thing that I think does need to be mentioned in the and not get kind of caught away like I think it'll it's easy to write off losses like this and just be like oh yeah typical Suns you know 11 and 34 can't string together any sort of success in in a row and I don't think that's actually fair I mean 34 points is as ugly as it gets but they haven't really gotten blown out like this in a while in weeks really it's kind of shocking to go back through even the games that I remember off the top of my head looking really bad I you know Philadelphia allowing MB to score 30 points in the first half. The Clippers game at home a couple weeks ago or last week, another one where they battled back. This team has actually not really lost games like this uh, in this way recently. And I mean, I, I don't, we'll go through some of why it happened, but I, I do think it's almost, um, you know, it, it is kind of the exception at this point for them to get blown out this way, even though last year got so ugly. They really haven't done it like this this year at all. So I think hopefully they can chalk it up to some weird, a weird night, you know, acclimating Booker back in and some, some really bad foul calls, I think played a part and a few different things, but hopefully this is not a, a routine thing and it really does continue to be the exception. Yeah. We were touching on it off the air before we started recording here, but this is going to be a little rough patch here for the Suns, I think, as they play the one of the top NBA Finals contenders this year, the Toronto Raptors and Kawhi Leonard Thursday night after this game. So it could be even more uglier then. But let's get into our one free throw. We're going to keep it simple for you guys tonight because there's really not many pauses from this game. We're just going to go one each and go into our usual flagrant fouls and our stat to watch. So I'll toss it your way first, Brennan. Who was your positive from tonight's game? Well, I appreciate you giving it to me because I feel like I might take yours. He was the one guy really who I feel like stood out throughout the game, and that was Anthony Melton. I think his uh, – you know, no one really could say that they had a tremendous defensive night. I think really like the non-Suns, there's a lot of scoring players that, that did really well tonight. Um, two guys scored 20, another 18 for Miles Turner. Like it was a balanced attack for the Pacers as it usually is. But the guy who really deserves the credit and it goes hand in hand with what the Suns didn't do well is Nate McMillan. I mean, that's the guy I would highlight. But I think DeAnthony Melton did about as well as anyone trying to contain the Pacers def- or offense. I mean, the Pacers just out-execute the Suns both times they've played them now. Last time it was much closer, of course, at home. And it, the fourth quarter, they just could not keep track of the Pacers shooters. Um, but I think tonight, I mean, it was just a complete dismantling of the Suns defense to the point where 
even a solid performance for Melton. You know, not not his typical steals numbers, not his typical you know, got two blocks, but wasn't efficient from the field. I just think, you know, he was one guy making sound rotations, kind of in the right place at the right time as he usually is. And uh, if if the rest of the team, I think, played a little better, the defense, you know, in the starting unit looked mostly good, and I think Melton had a lot to do with that. Totally agree with you there. I'm firmly entrenched on the hill that D'Anthony Mellon has all-NBA defensive upside. I think he could be like a Patrick Beverly type of guy here very soon down the road if the Suns stick with him in his development. We'll get into his, his um, contract situation here probably later this summer because that's going to be interesting for 2020. But really quickly before I go to mine, my free throw, I wanted to just – I'm kind of semi-joking when I ask this, but I, I might not be – I mean, it might be more of an actual thing because Jamel McMillan, the assistant coach, and Nate McMillan, who are the father and son combination, they – played each other tonight or coach against each other tonight. And what are the odds you think after two blowouts where I think Indiana almost, I think when they won by like 20 or 29 last time they were in Phoenix, now they win by over 30. Do you think he has an inside information on maybe when he helped out the moment before he got the job? Something, there's something going terribly wrong here. I mean, just weird too. Just, you know, the, the sons of when they win, it's because of their defense, especially lately. And, I don't necessarily, I mean, the Pacers are a great team. They've, they've really turned it on lately. We know the problems that they pose. They got nine offensive rebounds tonight. That's actually pretty like low for them, but uh, they did their thing. It's just crazy that the Suns have stood really no chance against this offense both times. It is, it is a really weird phenomenon. Maybe the late night calls or the, maybe we're too close to the holidays and Thanksgiving dinner, Christmas dinner, they were they were talking to shop a little bit too much and Nate just stole all the tricks. I have no idea, but there has to be some sort of secret explanation like that because this is embarrassing. Yeah, it's been a really rough go against the Pacers this year. And the, I think the Pacers, like I've been hammering home all year, I think they have finals upside if they really get some to trade deadline help. But let's go to my free throw here, Brendan. For me, it's Kelly Oubre Jr. He had a rough night on the free throw line. I heard um, the fan section for the Pacers, I think it's – um. I forget what it's called now, but they were chanting John Wall hate you. And it seemed to kind of get, <laughs> it seemed to kind of get in Uber's head a little bit. He went one of six from the free throw line, but outside of going one of five from the three point line as well, he was did really well inside of the three point line. He went um five of or six of seven. And I mean if you look at that, and overall he's seven of 13, 24 minutes, but plus one, 16 points, five rebounds, two assists. Uh, he always like he always does now at the Suns, gets at least a steal and a block in the game. I think I'm getting closer and closer, especially after blowout loss tonight, where this team really needs energy, especially when they start games. So I think it's like a fourth or fifth time now in the month of January where they've dig, dig themselves a huge hole with the starting lineup. I think Kelly Oubre, with the way he's playing, the way he's fitting your system, especially, I'm really liking the fit there. I think he deserves to be a starter here soon. I agree. I mean, I, I said this last time, I think unless there's a problem, you don't need to try to solve it. And I think – Performance like this, if it continues, obviously they'll they'll have no easier chance against uh, the Raptors on Thursday. That could be pretty ugly as well. And I think, you know, if they get in get out to an equally bad start and, and can't sustain good offense to start games, uh, then you do start to make think about making a change. I mean, Ubre in a thirty four point loss tonight was a plus one. That's pretty incredible to think about. I mean, the, you look at the starters plus minus, and it's pretty clear where. Indiana did their damage on uh, those first minutes of each half. But I think, you know, putting Ubre in there 
talked about Josh Jackson filling that Joe Ingles type of role that Utah had with a pretty similar system to what Igor likes to do and what he's done in Phoenix. I think it's really Ubre where you see that. You know, the passing numbers have been there for him. Obviously, not afraid to take deep threes off the bounce. I think that creativity could really help the starting lineup. Before we go to the second segment here, I wanted to ask you just a really quick question about Ubre and also tying in TJ Warren here as well, because I wrote this in my recap, just thinking out loud, so to say. And long term, it seems pretty obvious to me now, especially over the past two months or so with TJ Warren and Devin Booker in the starting lineup consistently. I feel like those three around DeAndre Ayton don't really fit well. I, I really think that TJ Warren could be their trade chip to get a point guard here soon, even though with the improved three-point shooting, obviously he's gotten a lot better, but it's also helping his value. What do you think about, especially with Kelly Oubre playing and the way James Jones on Burns and Gambo said last week that he wants to re-sign him, do you think that maybe with the sub-defense that those three have in the court together and then you replace Oubre, it's a lot better? Maybe not this, maybe not February, but maybe in, in July or June, do you think TJ Warren or one of these other wings is moved out? Because the more I think about it, Brent, the more I think that there's no way they can keep all four of these guys next year. I, I tend to agree with you. I think and we've talked for a couple, three weeks now of Warren's value is probably higher now than it ever will be. I mean, I think once the Suns start to play better as a team, the weaknesses that he has will kind of show more in a weird way. I think he's a, you know, I'm not going to say that he can't contribute to winning. That's definitely not what I mean, but some of the individual things that he doesn't do as well, play isolation, you know, defense on ball, pass that type of kind of team element I think is still missing from his game and the Ubre's and Jackson's on this team Bridges do much better with that type of stuff I think those are more of the types of guys you want to put around Devin Booker so I mean I think I'm, I'm all on board as far as trying to make the most of Warren as an asset right now all right before we go on to our second segment here talk about our main negatives or flagrant fouls from this game where they lost by 34 points the suns did i want to tell you guys really quickly about our locked on nba twitter account if you're not already doing so go on your twitter page follow at locked on nba net it is one of the more valuable nba twitter resources out there in my opinion you have all of our accounts synced up i know you guys love our coverage here on locked on suns for phoenix but there's so much other great coverage around the league with especially guys in indiana denver we have all 30 teams covered for you guys so if you're not already doing so, go and follow at Locked on NBA Net because you have all 30 NBA teams covered, rapid access, rapid information right at your fingertips. So go ahead and follow Locked on NBA Net. want to also tell you guys about the number one company that has your back this year and about the biggest decision you will ever have to make. I'm talking about Homie, our favorite new sponsor of the show, and a company that's really out here to save you as much money as possible as you buy or sell your house. Homie has a fantastic model. They have an easy-to-use interface on their website, a mobile app that'll save you time, a team of realtors and agents to make sure you feel safe and supported as you navigate this humongous decision of buying or selling, doing both your home. And what Homie does better than anyone else is saves money. They charge you just $199 to list and give you a fabulous price of just $1,299 when you close on your purchase. That means that on average, Homie customers save over $10,000 every time that they use the service. Not only does Homie save you money, but they have your back. That's their motto, and they really mean it. What we're going to do here at Locked On Suns to thank you for choosing us, choosing Homie, going 
out of your way to support the show and find this fantastic new service is get you an extra $100 off the listing fee. So it'll be just $99 to list your house at Homey by calling a phone number, not a coupon code, not a promo code this time. It's a phone number. Make sure you call this number to get $100 off your listing fee. It is 602-892-3335. Again, that's 602-892-3335 to list your house at Homey for just $99. All right, it's another night where there are probably too many flagrant fouls to count, but um, I will start us off here, and I really, I mean, as, as much as it kills me, I think the big question heading into this game was whether Devin Booker would kind of, you know, we've seen it happen before. It's not like your best player is going to be too difficult to put them back in and have it work. Um, But the team did really well with him for the first time kind of ever. And we were anxious to see whether it would actually translate. And Booker did not really hold up his end of that tonight at all. One of his worst games of the season, only eight points, didn't get to the free throw line. Uh, five fouls. He was in foul trouble basically from the jump, had to sit extended stretches in the first half, wasn't able to get in rhythm scoring the ball, and it just kind of cascaded into, like I said, really one of his worst nights of the year. Yeah, on the night, just running through his box score numbers really quickly for you guys, he had eight points, five rebounds, five assists, but he also had four turnovers, five fouls, a plus-minus of minus 31, and he also went only 4-12 from the field in 27 minutes. Like Brendan said, arguably – one of his worst nights of the of his season so far. Just that was my flagrant foul as well. I think we should have zoned in on Devin Booker for this segment yeah. because it's more of a, a long-term question. Not really a long-term question, but just more of an immediate question, actually. Just how the defense was doing. They were top five in defensive rating over that three-game stretch without Devin Booker. Then immediately after he gets back in the lineup, they obviously look out of rhythm with Booker back in there, and the defense really fell apart. Obviously – like I said, the Pacers are a really, really, really good team. But the defense, it was kind of unexpected, like I wrote in my, my piece for tonight, that after they played so well for three games that they just laid this kind of egg on defense. Yeah, it's, it's, it is very strange. I mean, this is not a, not a great, consistent team by any means, but watching just the, the kind of recipe they were crafting for how they were going to play defense, how they were going to make life hard on, on opposing teams, you felt like that was sustainable. It wasn't fluky. It wasn't just teams missing shots. It was genuinely you know strong, smart defense, rotating well, getting their hands on loose balls, creating turnovers. All that stuff felt like if they can keep doing that, they'll win. And uh, you know it's it's not even close to reasonable to peg that on Booker, but you know he was the only new ingredient tonight, and he did not play well. He was fouling. I mean, I think there were there was one. Uh, in the second quarter that stood out that I made a mental note of. I mean, he got fouled going through a screen on miles Turner that really did not feel like a, like a foul. I just think the the rhythm was off from this team right from the start. And, you know, hopefully you chalk it up to Booker coming back and trying to acclimate that piece, not having Josh Jackson's energy in the starting lineup and trying to go on the road for your first game back. Like Booker was against one of the better teams in the league is just tough, but you know, that's really no excuse. This team was playing really well and had a sustainable winning kind of, like I said, a recipe for success that was working. And, and he kind of jarred that completely loose today, and it did not go well. We've seen a lot of switching recently from Igor's defense, but 
it seems like more of a one-on-one kind of defense where it's your man, you got to stay with your guy, and if you don't, it kind of ruins the entire defense. Is it fair to say that I know we've touched on this plenty this season, but that Booker needs to be consistent on defense for him to really be a proven elite player in this league because especially tonight, he kind of got exposed on the defensive end and it really kind of, especially in the first quarter with him, probably rusty as expected missing a week or a week, a week and a half. But it's kind of at some point, it's kind of inexcusable because James Harden, eventually he learned how to be at least an average defender now. Booker has to get at least to an average level and he's not there yet. No, he's not. I mean, every every great player has to at least be able to compete on that end. It's it's just it's impossible. Defense is a team game. It's it's containing your man, but you know, having that trust with your teammates that somebody will be there to step up and rotate over and help you out. That you know, if if you allow your man to get by you, there will be a rim protector or there will be somebody to steal that pass or you know, it's just when one screw is loose, we see it time and time again. And and that's what you talk about when you say Warren, Aiton, Booker, those guys are weak links on defense. It's those types of plays where they struggle. It's the, you know, they can all defend one-on-one. I think that's pretty, pretty easy for guys as talented and athletically gifted as those guys are. The problem is, you know, off ball cutting, you know, somebody, going through an off-ball screen to catch and shoot. Those were the mistakes that we saw over and over again tonight from Booker and really the whole team. But, you know, I think at, at some point, the reason we hammer it so hard for Booker, I think, is and and star players like Harden is because, you know, if you're going to be the best player on your team, you're going to be the leader. That has to come on both sides of the ball. And being the reason for such just clear, obvious mistakes and inexcusable performances like this is it, it comes back to you, whether it's, fair or not. And obviously Booker had the most, the toughest matchup tonight, Victor Oladipo, who didn't finish with a great stat line, but he was creating for his team. And Darren Collison had a pretty efficient, great night as well. So, you know, Booker's defense acclimating back to this frenzied energetic system that they kind of created multiple times this year when he's been gone, they've gone back to the well for that and and done really well. So he, he needs to adjust. I think he will, you know, he's dealing with health problems still, despite playing tonight, I'm sure you know, back is, is a tough thing. That ache and pain is there. So we'll just have to see, but before we move on to our stat to watch here, I wanted to tell you guys about the coolest new way to access our show. You've heard me talk about it a couple of times. If you have a smart speaker, all you have to do to get that episode or our latest episode to play is say play podcast locked on Phoenix suns. It's as simple as that. It'll tee up the latest episode. You'll get to hear our voices loud and clear while you're doing chores, while you're cooking, any way that you use that speaker, make sure you make our podcast a part of that. Just say, play podcast, Locked on Phoenix Suns. All righty, what is your stat to watch tonight? I, I've been talking for so long now. Please uh, please share with us what number out of all of the putrid ones stood out to you tonight. Ooh, it's tough for me because, like you said, there's so many egregious numbers to look at here from a negative standpoint. But for me, it's 296 and that's the three-point percentage of the Phoenix Suns tonight. They were 8 of 27 from the three-point line, especially with Devin Booker being back. You expect that number to be higher. Booker, by the way, was 0 of 4 from three tonight, continuing his weird season where he's not really a good three-point shooter, even though he won a three-point contest last year. But that's rough when you have, again, I the third straight season after the Suns are going to be a bottom five team as far as defense goes, or excuse me, not defense, but three-point percentage goes. 
I, I just don't know how you continue to build this roster out because the three point shooting for now two and a half years, especially since I've been a part of Brett's of the Sun covering the team, three point shooting has been a main issue for this team. And again, it's going to have to be another offseason where it's going to have to be a main priority. Yeah, it is. I mean, Kelly Oubre has been a huge help. Obviously, his low, his slow, poor shooting night is not helping in that regard. Anytime when Elliot Kobo is on the court, the, the shot is still a struggle for him, despite how pretty it looks when it does go in. So, I mean, I think some of it you chalk up to kind of poor night for, for guys you wouldn't expect it to come from. Booker obviously included there, too. But um, it's just inconsistent, you know, and, and Warren's volume, I think, has kind of trickled downward. He you know, maybe is when the times are a little rougher, like they have been lately. I think he leans back on what he knows and what works. And there's just not been the level of playmaking with, you know, when Jamal Crawford's not playing, when Booker's not full healthy, there's nobody to get Warren the ball. So, you know, he's been the biggest success story there and helped their shooting a lot, but it's, it's, he's not an off the bounce guy. You give him the ball at the top of the key and he's going to be Damian Lillard out there. It's definitely a thing where he's spotting up in the corner and you need a guy to get him the ball. So when the offense isn't working, Warren's not going to be able to to do any of that stuff. Uh, Mikhail Bridges is actually the one guy too, or it's just been weird for him. He just hasn't been taking any kinds of shots, especially threes. And his value on offense goes way down if you can't get him, put him in position to make those threes. But uh, my my stat to watch here is 38. It actually hits on Warren again, but you could even pick 37. I mean, any of these guys, it's the plus minus for the starting unit. 30 minus 37 for Aiton, minus 38 for TJ Warren. Just crazy to look at how much they got hammered at the beginning of both halves. And they lost the first and third quarters by a combined 31 points. That's basically the entire deficit of the game. The other two quarters were, were much closer. So it's just impossible to win games when you come out of the gates that slowly and can't get anything working on either end. This is um, an interesting question now because DeAnthony Melton, even though he has been a really bad shooter for the team all year, and he showed again tonight one for seven, but his playmaking and his defense continue to show through in a positive way. I, I'm really starting to lean towards – I didn't really think that this would happen the whole season, Brendan, but I'm starting to lean towards power forward becoming more of a need for this team than point guard. What do you think? For sure. I mean, they need they need somebody who – the two things we've talked about most tonight, they need somebody who's going to be able to play team defense, protect the rim, help DeAndre Ayton out in that regard, have some size to maybe switch like the rest of the team is pretty equipped to do. And they're going to need somebody to knock down shots. And, you know, Warren is a efficient player. He's turned on that shot a lot this year, but you know, the numbers at a certain point, they, they don't lie. One assist, one steal, no blocks. He's definitely not the rim protector you want next to Ayton. He's not the help defender you need there. Um, he doesn't really even seem to to really like you know have that be a, a thing he's even concerned with. You know, he, when he when they, when his guy has the ball, he'll play some defense. Other than that, not so much. So uh, that's not really the type of player you want next to Aiden as great a season as Warren has obviously had individually. Yeah, I'm definitely there with you 100. percent And if we're speaking of free agents, by the way a guy on Indiana's roster who fits that mold of a four who would fit really great next to DeAndre and Thaddeus. TJ Leaf? Oh, no, Unfortunately <laughs> not, but that, Thaddeus Young is someone who I really like, and if possible, I'd love to see them open up their wallets for Thaddeus Young, but it seems like he loves it in Indiana. 
Naaman Millen really values him there, so I think he's just going to re-sign there. But I mean, that's the archetype of a guy you're looking for next to DeAndre, and who's a defensive guy who can stretch out when need be, and he's also a playmaker. But anything else with tonight's game you want to hit on, Brandon? Because 34-point loss, arguably their worst stinker of the year for the Phoenix Suns. It is, and it's, it's frustrating to see that come on the heels of what was one of their very best wins against the Denver Nuggets at home without their best player. And I think the main thing is just seeing how they continue to adapt and adjust as they try to find more of a balance between offense and defense. We know this team needs Devin Booker scoring to be at its best, but we've also seen them play so well on the other end of the court when he's not out there. And so finding that balance, getting buy-in from him, getting him back to full health to be able to compete on defense, getting a little more offensively out of some of these role players, it's just going to be an interesting thing to watch them do. And not an ideal circumstance to have to do that on the road against the very best team in the league, potentially in the Toronto Raptors, but they did play the Raptors tough at home. And, you know, you need to test yourself against the best teams to see what happens. Alrighty guys, that'll do for today's episode. 131.97 was the final score. As we mentioned at the top of the show, the Suns are now 11 and 34 on the season with another loss. They're at four and 17 on the road. So it's been a rough go around for the Suns recently with Devin Booker being back out of rhythm, it seems like. So like we talked about earlier, Thursday at Toronto is going to be interesting to follow. So we'll be back with you guys tomorrow for our latest episode. We'll talk to you guys then.